Welcome back and welcome in to another all-new episode of College Sports Today right here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. I'm your host, Hamilton Neal. As always, we thank you so very much for taking the time yet again to join us here this week. We got another big episode for you, tons of stuff to talk about. Here tonight, we're going to work things a little bit different than we normally do. Usually, we go through what's going on here at Lenore Ryan, then maybe talk some college football and then some college basketball. We're going to narrow our focus here on this show into one of those topics, and that would be college basketball on a variety of levels. We're going to start the show with some recruiting news, a couple of 2022 prospects committing to Southeastern Conference schools. We'll talk some news as well with the Naismith Girls High School Player of the Year trophy presented by Jersey Mike Subs. We'll go over the 2022 semifinalists. You know, this is something that you kind of think would be more of a high school-focused topic, but it does have a tie-in to what we have here on College Sports Today because we're talking about all the top prospects throughout the country, some of the best players in the nation. We'll be breaking down as we go over that, and then we'll finish up with some really exciting stuff in women's college basketball. We're going to go over the top 16 reveal that the NCAA Women's Basketball Selection Committee put out back last week. We're going to go over, break down some of the resumes. We're going to go into all of it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Again, that's coming up towards the end of the show, but we're going to start things, as I mentioned, with some recruiting news and some men's college basketball recruiting notes. First, we're going to talk about 2022 five-star center Johan Toro. He has announced his commitment to coach Will Wade and the LSU Tigers. He's ranked 15th overall and 4th at the center spot in the class. According to 247 Sports, he plays at Dream City Christian in Arizona. He chose LSU over the likes of Memphis, Michigan, Auburn, Kansas, Houston, and Gonzaga. Those were just some of his offers. He had plenty more. Great motor, soft touch while operating inside 15 feet, dunks everything. When he gets the basketball, you better expect him to be on the inside making plays there. Gets a great position. His footwork is exquisite. He runs the floor well. Good rebounder. Just a great feel for the game. He's at 6'10", 225 pounds, super physical. Really is that do-it-all five player on the inside that LSU needs. Will Wade has constantly tried to recruit guys like this into LSU, and he's had some success with post players. And that continues here with Johan Toro at a Dream City Christian in Arizona, powerhouse program out west. A lot of other schools vying for his service, as we mentioned, Memphis, Michigan, Kansas, just some of the schools that were in the running for him as well. I think his biggest impact at LSU is going to come on the offensive end. You know, this is a team that has a defensive identity, and you look at what they're doing this season, inside, outside, they're a defense first team, and then the offense kind of comes after that. This is a player who I think has great defensive potential because of his measurables, because of his size and length, but offensively, he's too talented not to utilize him early on. Great motor, as I mentioned, with the ability to run up and down the floor. When you have a big man that has the ability to keep up with the guards and the wings, that's such a big luxury for you as a basketball team. He's getting more versatile. He's not quite as proficient with the jump shot as maybe other guys in this class, but it's something that's getting better. He has that soft touch. When he gets the basketball, whether it's on the post up, doesn't matter if he's being doubled, he has that soft touch. And he's going to find a way to get the ball in the basket. And he will be a double-double type of player for them. Scoring and also rebounding. Rebounding is something that he's also getting more consistent with on both sides of the basketball. You know, we see a lot of guys 
really have the defensive rebounding down first, then they got to get to the offensive side of things. He's going to create so many extra possessions for this LSU team with his size, with his length as a rebounder and as a double-double threat. You know, right now on their team, they don't really have that star big man, you know, that can kind of come in and get that double-double every night. They have Monty Wilkerson, they have Darius Days, who is more of like a smaller four guy. But this player right here, Johan Toro, he's that guy that you can just dump the ball down to inside and he's going to get the scores, he's going to get the rebounds, and he's going to be that double-double threat for them. And again, it's just a great pickup. A guy who's continued to raise his stock, currently ranked 15th overall, 4th at the center spot in the class. Again, all the rankings that we talk about on this show, whether it's team rankings and recruiting, whether it's overall individual player rankings, they come from 247 Sports. And the 247 Sports composite. Obviously, you got the top 247. You have the ESPN 100 as well, which uh, a lot of people refer to. We just like referring to the 247 rankings. And I think he's ranked correctly. I think he's ranked accurately right now at number 15. And I'm not going to rule out the possibility that he could move up possibly into the top 10. I don't think it's a reach at this point. I don't know if he actually gets there, but I think the evaluators at 247, with all of the recruiting outlets, they're going to have to look at him definitely as a potential top 10 player to finish in the 2022 rankings because now's that time. They're headed to college coming up this fall. Final rankings will be coming out this spring, and that's something down the line that we'll obviously be talking about. Another player committing to an SEC school at the 2022 class is three-star combo guard Bryce Lindsey. He has pledged to coach Frank Martin and the South Carolina Gamecocks. He's ranked 178th overall, 25th at the combo guard spot in the class, He's at a Baltimore Polytechnic Institute in Maryland, chose SC over Marquette, Georgetown, Texas A&M, among many others as well. His primary recruiter was Will Bailey, assistant on the South Carolina staff. He and Frank Martin really work in unison very well to recruit players to campus. He was the one who took the lead here with Bryce Lindsey. Very underrated player. When you look at three-star recruits, these aren't the guys being recruited by the top-level Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, Michigan, Michigan State, Louisville, Ohio State type of programs necessarily. They are Power 5 players, but they're guys that are a little bit more under the radar where you have maybe some of the lower shelf Power 5 teams, maybe some of the mid-level Power 5 teams on them. And that's kind of what we saw here with Bryce Lindsey. That's the situation that South Carolina is in right now. They're not one of those top programs in the Southeastern Conference or nationally, but they can still recruit players from most areas. And out of Maryland, Baltimore Polytechnic, very underrated player, a guy that I think is underranked at this point. He keeps the defense off balance with hesitation. And I just got finished over this past weekend watching film of Bryce Lindsey, and I think the first thing that jumped out to me was he keeps the defense off balance. Whether that's with his passing skills and his court vision, whether that's the floater, the way that he can just kind of get the jab step, kind of pull you back a little bit. That's his biggest attribute, is his hesitation and his shiftiness and his unpredictability as a player. Keeps that defense off balance. Like I mentioned, his floater game, very consistent. He has a solid jumper. I don't think his jumper is maybe where he wants it to be yet or where South Carolina would like to see it, but it's something that's coming along. Not everyone's going to knock it down right away. It takes some time to develop. It takes some time to get that type of thing going. And 
Bryce Lindsey's a player that I think can provide some value and some depth for that South Carolina team. Different than the situation we talked about with Johan Turo. He's a guy that's really going to come in automatically and I think make an impact. I don't know if he's going to start right away, but he could be like a six man, get a lot of minutes. Bryce Lindsey, as a lower rated player, depends on the depth, depends on the roster that South Carolina has. And you know, with the situation that they have right now, their backcourt situation, I don't know if he's going to get into that starting lineup or even be a six man right away, but he's going to be a guy on the back half of that rotation that I think can provide some minutes for them, some spark. And I think he's definitely due to move up. I don't know if he gets to that four-star line by the time the spring rolls around, but definitely one of the best three-star recruits in the entire country. And we see a lot of guys at the three-star level come up and be stars at the college level, provide scoring, provide instant impact. And it's not always about your star rating. You know, I talk about this with people all the time. It's not about the ranking that you have coming out. You could be number one or you could be number 500 in the country, right? But what's going to set you apart is the work ethic and the drive that you have and the determination. The ranking is what's thrown out the window right when you get to college. You know, that's history once you get on the college campus because that's not what coaches care about. What they look for are the guys that are going to be committed and that want to continue to develop every day because, you know, in high school, talent can get you by. Talent can get you to the college level. But once you hit that point and if you get to the pro level, talent's not going to be enough to get you by day in and day out. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to put the time in. And I think that's what we're going to see a guy like Bryce Lindsey do. We'll see what he provides for South Carolina. Again, Johan Turo committing to LSU as well. That's what's going on in the recruiting front. We don't have a ton going on right now as far as offers and interests and even commitments go. But once the spring hits, maybe once we hit April or so, that's really when you're going to see things get going. After the season is over, AAU starting up, EYBL, the UAA circuit, the Adidas Uprising circuit, coaches are going to be out. Spring basketball at the AAU level is going to be in full swing, and that's really when recruiting will start up. So we'll have a lot more news coming in there as we go through time. Now let's talk about the Naismith Trophy going to the Girls High School Player of the Year. The 2022 semifinalists have been revealed. This award presented by Jersey Mike Subs. This is obviously something that relates a lot more to high school basketball than it does to college basketball, but we're including it here in the show tonight because of the recruits that we're talking about, the players that are committed to schools coming into 2022. We have a couple of 2023 players on here as well. Ten players make up this grouping, and eight of them are from the class of 2022. Janiah Barker, Reagan Beers, Lauren Betts, Tamea Gardner, Chance Gray, Maya Naji, Ayanna Patterson, and Kiki Rice. Two come from the class of 2023, Judia Watkins and Michaela Williams. Those are the 10 semifinalists for the National Player of the Year Award in high school girls basketball in the country for this year. Last year, it was won by Raven Johnson, who is now at the University of South Carolina as a freshman. There are so many players that could take home this award, I tell you. All 10 of these players, I think, have a legit chance. Michaela Williams is ranked number one in the class of 2023. She is just a phenom at that guard spot. Six foot, has inside and outside ability, super smooth with that length. We talk about Paige Beckers at UConn a lot with her size at 5'11", having the ability to rise up and confidently shoot that jump shot. That's what Michaela Williams can bring on the perimeter. She has that hesitation to her game. She has that ability to split, get inside. Judy Watkins, same type of stuff. Not quite as big, but has that burst, has that energy. Not surprised at all to see both of them here on this list. Williams out of Parkway High School, Judy Watkins out of the powerhouse Sierra Canyon in California. Looking at the 2022 recruits here, 
that are all committed to schools now. You got Ayanna Patterson out of Homestead High School in Indiana, signed with UConn, super versatile at six foot three, really is the prototypical model type of wing player that you want to see at the high school level. Super athletic, has the ability to move around there on the outside, has a jumper to her game and a very consistent one. She can hit it from the mid-range, she can hit it from the three-point line, has the ability with her physicality as well to get on the inside. That's the difference with her. And why she's ranked inside the top five in this 2022 class is she has quickness, versatility on the perimeter, and that physicality to put her head down and get to the inside as well. She's going to be great for UConn, part of a two-player 2022 class that also features Ice Brady, who's also ranked inside the top five. Those two make up a very versatile group. Brady, very physical on the inside, is a player that can get the double-double nightly. Patterson on the wing, versatile, again, has that inside and outside ability. Maya Naji signed with Arizona at a Hopkins High School, very skilled four player on the inside. A lot of other post players here on this list as well. Janiah Barker, Reagan Beers, Lauren Betts, Tamea Gardner, all four of those players outstanding as well. Gardner and Beers signed with Oregon State. Barker headed to Georgia at a Montford Academy. Lauren Betts ranked number one overall, headed to Stanford. And then you got Chance Gray, Kiki Rice, who are committed to Oregon and at UCLA, respectively. Rice at a Sidwell Friends school ranked second overall in the class, only behind Lauren Betts headed to Stanford. Really skilled guard at five foot eleven. Much like we talked about with Michaela Williams just a minute ago, Kiki Rice at the point guard spot has the ability to break you down with the handle, very shifty, uses that hesitation, but also strikes a great balance between getting players involved, but also scoring her own points as well. And I think that's the one trait of a great point guard prospect is, can they get others involved? Do they have the vision? Can they see the floor? Can they see all 94 feet? But also in addition to that, are they potent enough to consistently score? Because we see some point guards now are more scorers We see some like to share the basketball more and aren't scoring threats as much. And a player that comes to mind when I talk about that is Nico Meal from UConn. Not as much of a scoring threat, but makes impact in other areas of the game. Kiki Rice has that balance, strikes that balance between scoring and assisting. I really can't pick one favorite at this point as far as like who could win this award. But if I had to pick a short list and maybe kind of break this down a little bit for you, I would probably say at the end, could come down to Rice. I think one of Watkins or Williams would be in there. Ayanna Patterson's definitely going to be in the mix. Lauren Betts out of Grandview High School in Colorado, I think probably could be the favorite at this point just because of her number one ranking and just because of her reputation as a player. Maya Naji, Janai Barker, those two will be in the mix as well. So going to be an exciting race down the stretch to see who comes down and wins this Naismith High School Player of the Year Award in high school girls basketball. Obviously, this list will be cut down one more time. And then eventually, we're going to see by the spring, who wins that National Player of the Year award and the Naismith Trophy. For more information on that, visit the Naismith Trophy Twitter page. They have a huge website as well that you can check out for more info. The high school basketball season moving right along. Great stuff going on there. Let's now go into the main portion of our show here tonight, where we're talking women's college basketball and the top 16 reveal put out last week by the NCAA Women's Basketball Selection Committee. Every single year, the men's and women's committees put out these top 16 reveals over the course of the regular season leading up to the conference tournaments, leading up to the NCAA tournament to kind of give you an idea of where things stand at this moment in time. Say if the tournament started today, this is what things would look like. These are who the number one seeds would be, the number two seeds you go down the line. 
that's the first thing that we're going to do here in this segment. We're going to go over the top 16 teams. We're going to go over some resumes, especially with the number one seeds. We're going to have a lot to break down with them. And then towards the end of the segment, we're going to look at a couple of teams that I like that are not in this top 16 that I think could eventually get in. Two very good squads, DePaul and Georgia Tech. We'll talk more about those two a little bit later. First thing we're going to do is go over the number one seeds at this moment. South Carolina, Stanford, NC State, and Tennessee. South Carolina would be slotted in the Greensboro region, Stanford in the Spokane region, NC State in the Bridgeport region, and Tennessee in the Wichita region. The number two seeds are Louisville, Indiana, Texas, and Arizona. The number three seeds are Michigan, Iowa State, UConn, and LSU. And the number four seeds would be Baylor, Oregon, Georgia, and Kansas State. That is one through 16, one seeds, two seeds, three seeds, four seeds at this current moment in time. And really, I can't argue with much here as you go throughout 1 through 16. First, let's look at the number one seeds and look at the reasons why they're on that one seed line right now. I think a lot of these teams have a good chance of staying on that one seed line. Obviously, there's a lot to happen through the end of the season, through the conference tournaments leading up. First, we're going to look at South Carolina, who would be the number one overall seed at this point. They have a ton of key wins. They have right now by far the best resume of any team in women's college basketball. They have wins over UConn, Oregon, Duke, North Carolina State, Maryland, Stanford, LSU, and Ole Miss. Those are just some of their victories. Tons of high-profile teams that they have beaten, despite the fact that UConn has struggled. They have four losses. Maryland is a team that is continuing to falter through Big Ten play. Duke is a team that is not ranked currently in the top 25. Nonetheless, they're all great wins. This South Carolina team is built inside and then out. Starting in the interior, obviously you have Aaliyah Boston, who is a National Player of the Year contender, who is a Lisa Leslie Award favorite. You have Camilla Cardoso, transfer from Syracuse. Those two have formed super, super consistent front court for them. You have Lily Grissett. You have Victoria Saxton. Those two also post players. So you got those four anchoring the inside. Then you have Bria Beal. You have Zaya Cook, Destiny Henderson out on the perimeter with a couple of others. The South Carolina team has the best personnel in the country, arguably. And the best scheme, offensively, defensively. And while they're not the highest scoring team, they are a very good defensive team. They're not the most elite team on that side of the basketball, but all the rankings on the defensive side are very strong for Don Staley's team. South Carolina currently the number one overall seed at this point. Stanford, they have a lot of key wins as well. Their resume, very strong. They have wins against Indiana, Maryland, Tennessee, Oregon, Colorado, and Gonzaga. Some key games coming up for them. Oregon, Oregon State, Colorado, those are really their last few opportunities to get key wins inside Pac-12 conference play. Obviously, their core as well, just like with South Carolina, very versatile, and it starts on the inside. That's why these two teams, I think, are being slotted to potentially play in a national championship game this year. At least I feel confident about that matchup potentially happening because you've got two teams that have very similar identities. It starts with the post play. But you also have elite guard and wing play as well. On the inside, you have Fran Belibi. Obviously, Cameron Brink is a star there as a sophomore. You have Lexi Hull, Hannah Jump. Haley Jones, obviously, was the most outstanding player of the Final Four last year and just had an outstanding year. Is having another great season this year on the wing. She had a triple-double earlier in the season, and she is just so good for them. NC State, the number three overall team here, has wins over Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, Maryland, Indiana, Kansas State, and Florida. Those last two are just as big to me right now as some of those other top shelf wins. 
because you got Kansas State as the 16th ranked team here out of the top 16. They'll be the last number four seed. And Florida is a team that's not in the top 16. They're not even in the top 25 right now, but they've had a huge turnaround season. They got a win over LSU, competed with number one South Carolina. Not a ton of opportunities left for North Carolina State. Georgia Tech at Duke as well. They beat Duke not too long ago earlier this season. Georgia Tech, that's a team, again, that we're going to talk about here in a minute that's not in the top 16. That's another key opportunity. Tennessee, the last number one seed, number four overall. They have wins over Kentucky, Georgia, Ole Miss, Texas, and Virginia Tech. They've got upcoming games at UConn, at South Carolina, and versus LSU. Outside of that, not a ton of other opportunities. They just lost a game recently to Auburn. That dropped their record to 18-2 and overall. That was a very surprising defeat for them. Nonetheless, this is still one of the best teams in the country and a national championship contender. We can't overreact to one loss. If we start to see a pattern here of inconsistency and losses, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to start to worry about this Tennessee team, but not right now. They're looking very strong despite that loss. And I think the reason that they are so good this year and why they are a championship threat is because they're ranked number one in total rebounds per game. They average 50 rebounds per game. 50 rebounds per game. I'll say it again. Number 24 in scoring defense. Eighth in opponents' points per 100 possessions. They're the number one field goal percentage defense in the country. When you have the ability to rebound the basketball as consistently as they do, they do it better than anyone in the nation, and you can defend the way that they do, you're going to have a chance to win every single game. They have personnel that allows them to be so successful on the interior. Tamari Key is a Lisa Leslie Player of the Year Award candidate. I mentioned that with this team last week, that she really is the focal point. Got Jordan Horston on the outside. Ray Burrell is coming back from injury. She is another really good basketball player. So Tennessee right now still slotted as a one seed. Obviously, this was put out before the loss to Auburn. You got a couple of teams on their heels at the number two seed line, Louisville, Indiana. Indiana Hoosiers, a really good basketball team. They just lost a game to Michigan. Michigan is a team that I think will end up at least being a number two seed. At the time of this reveal, they were slotted at nine. They were slotted as the best and the highest ranked number three seed. I think they'll definitely be a number two seed. Now, to do that, they got to finish the rest of the season strong. They got to continue to get wins and probably win the Big Ten. I think whoever wins the Big Ten between Indiana and Michigan, because right now it's those two at the top in that conference, I think the winner of the Big Ten will be the number two seed. And probably the loser out of those two will probably be the number three seed. But again, Michigan, really, really good basketball team. Leah Brown on the outside. Nas Hillman as a double-double threat. So versatile. She's probably the most underappreciated big-name player in women's college basketball. And in my opinion right now, the way she's playing is a top-five player in the country and I think was a top-ten player last year. UConn, very tricky with them because they only have a few opportunities left. They've got DePaul coming up. They obviously have Tennessee coming up. That's their last game against a top 25 team, or at least a team that's currently ranked in the top 25. You got DePaul, Marquette, and then really after that, nothing else. Butler, Villanova, Georgetown, Providence, etc. They did not look good in that game against Providence. Came back, had a game there against Creighton. Now looking ahead, probably not going to have Paige Beckers the rest of the regular season. I don't think UConn's going to put her back out on the floor for Big East Conference games that they know that they're probably going to win more likely than not. You know, it's not worth rushing her back because for UConn, it's about national championship. It's about winning a title. And without Paige Beckers, there is no way at all that they will do that. They will not have a chance to win a national championship without Paige Beckers. This team currently is nowhere near good enough. I don't even think this team 
would get out of the Sweet 16. I really believe that if they have Paige, they can win a national championship. They can go all the way. They can host the trophy. But if they don't, to me, they're probably not getting out of the Sweet 16. They just won by eight points against a 9-11 and Providence team. And if that's a sign of inconsistency, of struggles on the offensive side, and, and just the inability to do anything at certain stretches in the game, I don't know what is, right? So UConn currently a number three seed. And I think if they were to win out, if they were to beat Tennessee, DePaul, Marquette, everybody leading up to the NCAA tournament, they would have a chance to get on the number two seed line. I think they probably would. They only have four losses. I think they probably would because their UConn, their name is going to give them an edge. And just the fact that they would just reel off like 10, 11, 12 games in a row, right? So that's going to be very interesting. And Kansas State is a team that I really like there on the number four line. Ioka Lee is a superstar for them right now. She's second in the country in scoring at 25.3 points per game. Their team is fifth in the country in assist to turnover ratio. They're fourth in assists. Why are those stats important? I raise that question. Why are those stats important to me? Because they share the basketball. They move it around. Yes, things do center around Ioka Lee. And she just had a 61-point game. So you see how much she is a part of their team. You see how big she is in their game plan. But they spread it around. And she is a very unselfish player on the inside, even though she scores at the clip that she does. Sure, they're fourth in assists. That's great. But fifth in assist to turnover ratio. And what is important about that stat is it's the volume of assists and turnovers. And right now, they're a top five team in that regard. They don't turn the basketball over. That's basically what that stat means. It's more about that they don't turn the basketball over and that they're assisting. They're getting other players involved outside of Ioka Lee. They're deep. They're really skilled. That's a team that really could make a push to Sweet 16. Dark Horse Elite 8 team right there in Kansas State. Baylor and Oregon, two big-name programs that have been more under the radar this season. Baylor's starting to get some things going. They have a Player of the Year candidate in Alyssa Smith. Oregon got a recent win over UConn. Really, really good core they have. They're super young. They're really raw, but they have so much potential. So I really like what the NCAA did there and the women's committee did by revealing the top 16 in the order that they did. I think it was very accurate. I like what they did in that regard. Now let's talk about two teams I like that could crack the top 16 that are not in that one through four seed grouping. But I think by the end of the season, when we get to March Madness, when we get to NCAA tournament time, could be there. DePaul Blue Demons out of the Big East just gave UConn a scare recently. They're ranked number one in scoring offense at 91.5 points per game, number one in assists, number three in assists per game, number seven in three-point field goals attempted, eighth in three-point field goals made as well. They have a superstar freshman in Anissa Maru, a player that we've talked about here on the show many times. She's averaging 20.8 points. 12.8 rebounds, and 5.4 offensive rebounds per game. So if you want to go over and look at those stats and see how she ranks and see where all those stats match up, her 20.8 points, 13th best of any player individually in Division One. second in rebounds per game again at 12.8. Her 5.4 offensive rebounds per game also ranks second in the country among individual players. In addition to that, they have Lexi Held out on the perimeter along with Sonia Morris and Deja Church. They have Darion Rogers at the forward spot. This is the best offensive team in the country, and they're not even in the top 25, but they are so good on that side of the basketball. Defensively, that's where some of their issues are, but this has always been a high-octane team. They love to take the three. Again, we mentioned seventh in three-pointers attempted, eighth in three-point field goals made. They share the basketball better than anybody. We talked about that with K-State. DePaul does it better than anyone. Number one in assists, number three in assists per game as well. And that 91.5 points per game clip is insane. You know, in women's college basketball, we see the scoring averages for teams are a little bit lower than maybe they are on the men's side. This DePaul team 
I don't care who you put on the other side. They're going to compete. They're going to have a chance to win. Georgia Tech, on the other hand, the complete opposite of DePaul. They're the number one scoring defense in the country. They're only giving up 46.5 points per game. They're number one in opponents' points per 100 possessions. They're 11th in margin per 100 possessions as well. Their margin of victory per game is 15.1. That's 11th in the country. And their core, around Naria Hermosa, 11.1 points per game. Lada Majlatnin, Aliyah Love averaging 10.3. Laura Kubaza, 10.1. The personnel on this team is perfect for what Nell Fortner wants to do. And it's pressure you on the defensive side, make you earn every single bucket. And teams don't do that very often against Georgia Tech. So not only are they the number one scoring defense in the country, number one in opponents points per 100 possessions, 11th in margin per 100 possessions. So margin per 100 possessions is per 100 possessions, what are they winning by? How are they dominating? Opponents points per 100 possessions is the opponent, how many points are they scoring within that little frame there? Again, of 100 possessions per 100. So Georgia Tech is the best in the country there in scoring in opponents points per 100. Much like we talk about with Tennessee, who has a wide margin of victory, Georgia Tech has that as well. And some of that is due to playing inferior teams, but they have some good wins and they're going to have opportunities coming up. One big opportunity is against North Carolina State who is the current number one seed right now. So definitely look at this top 16 reveal. You know, don't overreact to it. I'm not going to overreact to it. There's still a lot of basketball left to be played. There's still so much left to happen. But take that, let that sit a little bit with you. Think about the teams that we just talked about, all the stats that I just reeled off. We're going to have so much more coming up in future shows with women's college basketball. We'll talk about our top five games in men's and women's college basketball next week. We'll get back to our regular format. We'll talk Lenore Ryan sports. We'll talk a little bit of news with college football as well with some transfer stuff. So really excited for everything that we have coming up. This has been the 14th episode of College Sports Today here on WLRZ 99.3 FM. As always, we thank you so very much for taking the time to listen. We hope you join us again next week. This is Hamilton Neal signing off. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.